topic of what is salvation. So before we actually read Romans chapter 10, we're going to read a few verses there that actually talk about salvation. How many of you are familiar with the term being saved? Familiar with that? Okay. You ever had somebody ask you, well, are you saved? Or when did you get saved? Um, I was talking to a guy one time, and he obviously didn't know a whole lot about Christianity or the Bible or church or anything. And um, I said, well, you know, have you ever been saved? He said, oh, yeah. And then he paused, and he said, lots of times. And he started telling me about all these situations in his life, like, one time he was crossing the street and a car ran a red light. And he said, and barely missed me. And I was saved. One time he fell out of the boat and couldn't swim. And his uncle grabbed him and pulled him back in the boat. He said, my uncle saved me. Um, I've also talked to people and said, well, tell me about when you got saved. Well, I remember I was at church one Sunday and that preacher saved me. And, and I, and I kind of, I know what they're talking about, but the truth is preachers don't save us. Um, there, there's not a human that can save us. So what I thought we would do for at least today and next week is we're going to talk about the topic of what is salvation? What exactly is it? So if, if somebody were to ask you who hadn't been in church all their life, what is salvation? What would you tell them? All right, look at Romans chapter 10. We're going to read just a few verses. We're going to start with uh, verse number 1. Where Paul, and by the way, in these verses, Paul is using this terminology of being saved. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So evidently, the term salvation or being saved, it is a biblical term. And so we, we want to understand what it's all about. Look down with me. Let's read these other verses. Look at verse 9. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. Paul begins here, uh, and he says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So again, he uses the same term. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse 11. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, what is he talking about when he says, if I believe, I'll be saved? Saved from what? Why, why do I need to be saved? Well, I believe in, the, in the helping to define and answer the question, what is salvation? I want us to answer two questions. Okay? And we're going to look at these two questions over the next couple of weeks. Then, the last three weeks of September, we're going to take a look at what Jesus and the Holy Spirit have to do with all this. What is their part in all of this? And in doing that, you're also going to learn a whole lot about the doctrine of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and what they are like, okay? So let's start today, first of all, by understanding the situation. Now, I believe there's two things that we have to 
understand in order to define what salvation is. Number one, we have to understand the situation that all of mankind is in. Then number two, we've got to hear and understand God's plan for helping our situation. So today, let's talk about understanding this situation. Um, several things here. We talked about, several weeks ago, natural theology. What is that? Natural theology is that part of God's creation that teaches us some basic things about God. Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The firmament shows His handiwork. So basically, the Bible tells us that God's creation teaches us God exists. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, the Bible talks about the fact that man, by the things that have been created, should know there is a God, therefore... He is without excuse. In other words, I can't stand before God one day having not received Christ and His atoning work on the cross and say, but God, I didn't know. Because God says we are without excuse. There is no excuse. So what does natural theology teach us? Well, if you look here, can you guys see that? Okay. If you look, there there are some things natural theology does teach us. And here they are real quick. Number one, that there is a God. I mean, it teaches us there is a God. Um, by the way, and I've told you this before, an atheist is a person who got that way because they chose to be that way. They're not born that way because of this principle. The creation, the heavens, all of this says there is a God. Now, it doesn't mean, like Paul was facing in Acts chapter 17, that everybody believes that that God is Jehovah God, but everybody intuitively knows that there is a higher being than me. Okay? I, I, I didn't come into existence by some gigantic gaseous explosion out in the middle of a galaxy that nobody has ever seen or heard of, and it's a theory that nobody's ever proven. Okay? Inside... Human beings, God put the realistic, intuitive thought, there is somebody higher than me, and that's where I came from. Okay? So, natural theology teaches there is a God. Number two, it teaches us that that God is the creator of all things. That's why creation tells us there's a God. He made all this. Number three, He's sovereign. What does that mean? He is the boss. He's the king. He's bigger than me. He's more powerful than me. And, and he runs me, basically. If he wants me to stop breathing, I stop breathing. Okay? He is king. He's sovereign. And then finally, number four, that mankind is accountable to him. Now, we've got several verses here. Um, there's a God, Psalm 19, 1, Romans 1, 18 through 20. He's the creator of all things. Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. Um, he is sovereign or the king. Acts 17, 25. And then mankind is accountable to him. Romans 14.12. Romans 14.12 says, So then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. So we will give an account of ourselves to God one day. Natural theology teaches us this. However, is that enough for you and I to know that we are sinners, that we need to have our sins forgiven, that we need to be saved, that Jesus came and died on the cross, that He is the sacrifice for my sin, that if I put my faith in Him, that I will have my sins forgiven, I will be redeemed and bought back, and God will forgive me. And I have... Is natural theology enough 
for me to know all that too? Well, the answer to that is no, it's not. These are the things natural theology does not teach us. All right? Number one, God's love for mankind. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We know there's a God. We know He's a creator. We know He's sovereign, and we know we're accountable to Him. But do I know that He loves me more than I could ever love myself just by what He created? Not necessarily. So I need something else to teach me that in order for me to be saved. All right? Um, Second thing. Natural theology does not teach me that God has made provision for me to be forgiven. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did that to make provision for me to be forgiven. Number three, natural theology does not teach me that mankind has a need for spiritual life. Now, we'll look more at this later, um, probably the third week. But in John chapter 3, we have the story of Nicodemus. And beginning in verse 3 and going down through that story, you remember Jesus told Nicodemus, if a man is going to see the kingdom of God, he must be, remember the term he used? Born again. And remember, you remember the story. Nicodemus was thinking physically, not spiritually. And so he said, well, how can that happen? I can't go back inside my mother and come out again. And that's when Jesus began to explain there is a physical birth, but there also needs to be a spiritual birth. There has to be spiritual life. We, You've heard the term regeneration. The, the theological term regeneration just simply means to be given spiritual life again. And we have to get spiritual life again because it was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. So we are spiritually, Ephesians 2.1, we are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sin, so we need life. Natural theology doesn't teach me that I need spiritual life again. So we need something else to teach us that. Then, number four, natural theology does not teach me God's plan for redemption. Again, John 3.16. He gave His Son to die for me so that I could be forgiven and have eternal life. So, why do I tell you all of that? Because as we begin to explain what salvation is, we have to understand the situation. There is a God. He is the creator of everything. He is the king. He's the boss. He's sovereign. I, as a human being, am accountable to him. However, I have sinned. He made provision for my sin to be forgiven and removed. He made a way for me to be able to be reconciled to him and justified with him. He made a way for me to be made right with him again so that I not only can live this life the way it was supposed to be lived, but I can spend eternity living with Him forever. He made a way. Now, where does all that come from? If natural theology doesn't teach me that, then where does it come from? It comes from the Bible. The Bible says, this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16, uh, 15, 16, 17, where the Bible says, And how from infancy, this is Paul talking to Timothy, he said, From the time you were a baby... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. How did he understand God's plan to fix all of this? 
through the Holy Scriptures. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, verse 16, All Scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, in understanding what salvation is, first of all, I've got to understand the situation. As a human being, without some way of fixing my sin, I'm in trouble. There is a God. He's creator. He's sovereign. I'm accountable to him. And from the Bible, I learned that I am a sinner. I need to be made right with him. He's got a plan to do that. And that plan includes Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and most importantly, the medium through which he communicates that plan is the Bible. So we're going to start here. It is impossible for another human being to understand what salvation is apart from the Bible. That's the main thing we need. I want us to get today is we understand our situation. But you and I understand all of that because a lot of us have been in church half our life. I mean, we hear it all the time. But you're going to meet people in our community that hopefully we can reach that have never one time ever heard that. Now, I know it's hard for us to comprehend that there can actually be a human being in Irmo, South Carolina, that has never heard this. But the truth is there are hundreds and maybe thousands of them. Or they've heard something different that is foreign to this. So, we've got to understand, first of all, they need to know the situation. They're never going to know what salvation is unless they understand the situation. You're going to get answers like, I fell out of the boat, and my uncle pulled me out of the water, so I'm saved. Okay? They've got to understand the situation that can only be understood through the teaching of the Scripture. And we're going to talk more about that as we go. Okay? So next week, we're going to talk about hearing God's plan. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8 next week, and we're going to talk through a plan. Most of you know Romans 8, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow them, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. But verse 30 talks about the plan for regeneration and salvation. And so next week, we're going to look at verse number 30, and we're going to go through those steps where he predestined us, he called us, he redeemed us, he glorifies us, justifies us. We're going to go through that process so that we understand what salvation is. Now, ultimately, the goal is for you to be able to walk out of here, and if somebody says, what is salvation? For you to be able to explain in normal terms what salvation is. You can use theological terms, but if they're not saved, if they're unregenerate, those words are going to go straight over their head. Well, you need to be justified and regenerated by the sacrificial atoning work of Jesus Christ. That sounds great if you're in a preacher's meeting and they'll hoop and holler and scream and yell all day long. But for somebody who's never been in church in their life, that's Greek. They don't understand that. So how do we explain it to them so they understand, okay? Now what we're going to do today, we're actually going to stop here and go to our breakouts. And we're going to, I'm going to try to start doing this every week to help us during our breakouts. I want you to talk about this question. If salvation is understanding my situation between me and God, when did you 
understand the situation in your life relative to salvation. When was it in your life that you realized there's a God, He's Creator, He's the boss, I'm accountable to Him, and I'm in a mess in my life because I know what the Bible says. I'm a sinner. Without Him, I can't go to heaven. I need something done with my sin. And you realize that, and that's what led to you ultimately accepting God's plan for regeneration or being saved, which we'll talk about next week, which is basically putting your faith and trust in Christ. Now, here's why I want you to talk about this. Number one, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If I'm a believer and I'm saved, the greatest story I could ever tell you is how that happened to me. It ought not be embarrassing to us. We ought not be afraid of it. If you're not sure about that story, then come talk to me or to Sibley's. Because here's the deal. If I were to ask you, were you ever born? Ridiculous question, right? I mean, you're sitting here and you're breathing. You had to have been born. Do you have a birthday? We all have birthdays. Our mug shots and our dates get flashed up on the screen every month when it's our month. Well, in John 3, the Bible says we need to be born again. Do you have a spiritual birthday? Now, I'm not saying if you can't remember the date. You wouldn't know when your birthday was if your parents didn't tell you or you had to get that birth certificate to play Little League, whatever you played. Okay, somebody has, The date's not important. The event is critical. It's critical. Ask Paul. Hey, Paul, when did you understand your situation and accept Christ as the solution for your problem? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think it just, over time, just kind of happened. Is that what he would tell us? No, I don't think so. What would he say? I can tell you exactly what happened. I was on my way to Damascus to kill some more Christians. And God slapped me down on the road. And I realized I was on the wrong side. And I turned to Him. Who was it? It was Jesus. Because I said, Lord, who are you? And He said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And you know what Paul would tell you? Hey, from that day on... He was my Savior. I understood my situation, and I knew I needed Him. And from that day on, He was my boss. And I started working for Him. Now, we may not remember the date. You may not remember every minute detail. But there ought to have been a time in your life when you were born again spiritually. If I don't know when that was, or I can't tell what happened... How can I tell somebody else? Paul, no less than three or four times, shared the gospel with political leaders and religious leaders by doing just that. By telling them what happened to him. That's also where I want us to go with this teaching about what salvation is. We need to make sure not only that we know what it is, but that it has happened to us, and we know how to communicate it to somebody else.